So we have in front of us today, Matthew chapter 16, and we find ourselves, as you see on the screen, in verses 13 through 20. And so what we're doing is we're kind of making our way into that section of the gospel of Matthew where, you know, we kind of saw from the beginning, right? Matthew is revealing, showing us that Jesus is the one who keeps God's promise to send a Messiah, to send a Savior, to send a Redeemer. And so Matthew's been building this case all through his gospel. And one of the things that we see early on in the gospel of Matthew is that Jesus goes around and he preaches, Jesus goes around and he heals, and as he does, he kind of, we kind of see two things happening, right? There's a large group of people that begin to follow him as he goes from place to place, but we also see that Jesus draws disciples to himself. Another thing that we also see, though, is that Jesus is running more and more into confrontations and conflicts with the religious authorities, with the religious powers that be. And as we continue to make our way through Matthew's gospel, we're going to see those conflicts intensify. And we're going to see that where at one time Jesus may have enjoyed a really high level of popularity, that we're going to start to see some of that popularity wane. And we're going to start to see, uh, especially led by the religious leaders, a charge against Jesus. We're going to see Jesus eventually, of course, crucified. And so as we make our way through Matthew's gospel, we'll start to see this come about. But as we've made our way through the gospel, here's what's been happening, right? Matthew's showing us over and over. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the redeemer. But what's so great here is in these verses, we're going to kind of see, uh, for Peter especially, the lights come on. Now, Peter, we love Peter, right? We, we remember hearing about Peter even a couple of weeks ago, right? Jesus walks on the water and Peter says, hey, if it's, if it's you, uh, tell me to come on out. And Jesus basically says, come on. And so Peter does, right? And as long as he's focused on Jesus, right? As long as he doesn't look at everything around him, he seems to be okay. But as soon as he notices that the winds have picked up, what happens to Peter? Well, he begins to sink, right? We love Peter because Peter usually is the one to speak first, usually the one to act first. And in these verses, we see that Peter is the one that speaks first, but he's going to be commended highly for what he says. So let's do this. Let's, let's hear these verses together. Let's stand together as we honor God. We honor his word. In Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, down through verse 20. The Bible says this, the word of God says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." 
Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now let's ask God to help us, lead us as we approach these verses. Let's pray together. God, we are once again gathered here to say we are so thankful for the Bible. And God, we pray that you would make us a people who are happy to place ourselves under the authority of your word. God, we collectively affirm that the Bible is true, so very trustworthy and a wonderful treasure to us. God, we are so thankful that you have not left us in the dark about who you are, what you have done in the world, and what you are doing now in the world. God, we thank you that in your word, we are pointed to your glorious grace and we are pointed to our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we pray that in these moments, you would encourage us, challenge us, shape us all by your word. May Christ be exalted in our time. Father, may your grace be magnified. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. We need you for insight and understanding. So lead us into the truth of your word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys have a seat again. Thank you. All right, so we have watched our hero, Jesus. We have watched our savior, Jesus, draw an interesting group of people to himself, right? And one of the most wonderful things about the disciples is that Hopefully, in them, we can see some elements of us, right? Because don't be mistaken for a moment to think that what Jesus did is draw the, 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 the cream of the crop, the, the most courageous, only the top 1% to himself, only the, the five-star or the five-tool players to himself. I don't get any impression at all that that is what Jesus did in drawing these disciples to himself. Jesus drew a rather ordinary group of men to himself. In fact, in some ways, men who would not be esteemed uh, among popular culture. He draws them to himself, and we see many, many times throughout the Gospels, times where it doesn't seem like they quite understand what's going on. They don't quite understand what's happening. And it really seems at times they don't understand who they're with, right? They, they don't get it. And how easy and how tempting it is for us who live on this side of history to look back at them and say, well, how could they not see? How could they not understand? But let's be honest. How often do I get confused? How often do I mistake things? How often do I get fickle in heart? And I'm on this side of history. I have the blessing and the benefit of, of having the whole of Scripture before me, but so often I can get things twisted and I can get things messed up and I can turn them upside down, right? But I can't judge these guys because in them I see uh, an ordinary, sometimes confused, broken group of men who a lot of times don't understand who it is that they're with. And I see that as a follower of Christ, I can get very confused, I'm very broken, and way too often I do not understand the fullness of the glory of who it is who has saved me. But here's what's great is the lights come on for Peter. Peter's gonna see, Peter's gonna understand, and Peter's gonna confess who it is that Jesus truly is. 
And I believe as we go through these verses, there's a big main idea that's driving us in these verses. And that main idea is this. Everything God is doing in the world is built on the good news of Jesus. Everything God is doing in the world is built on the good news of Jesus. Now let's watch the lights come on for our friend Peter. Look again, if your Bible is open in verses 13 and 14. So the Bible tells us Jesus comes into the district of Caesarea Philippi and he asks his disciples this question. Don't you love what Jesus is doing here? You know Jesus is driving for something here, right? He's he's not just curious about what they're hearing about him, but you know he's driving for something else. So he asks them in verse 13, who do people say that the son of man is? And then look at how they answer. And they said, some say John the Baptist, right? And that makes sense because we've even heard that. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, right? Because there was an expectation among God's people that, that when the Messiah was going to come, when, when, the, when the day of the Lord was going to come, one of the things that he was going to do is send a prophet like Elijah. And so it would make sense that some would say this uh, about Jesus. And others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, what's interesting is that what the disciples apparently are hearing are some good things about Jesus, Right? but it seems that everything that they're hearing about Jesus boils down to this simple thing. Some people say that you may be a prophet. You may be a prophet like John the Baptist. You may be a prophet like Elijah. You may be a prophet like Jeremiah or some of the other prophets. They are giving him some respect, but it seems like what others are saying about him only will go so far as to say that he is a prophet, but really no further. And so although the folks have seen what Jesus has done, although they have heard what he has taught, it seems like the best that they're willing to say about him, the farthest that they are willing to go is that he is a prophet. A respectable thing, but obviously what we're going to see here in these verses is not nearly as far as Jesus wants to make sure that we go in our understanding of who he is. So the crowd say you're a prophet. And so then in verse 15, Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, before we talk about what happens with Peter, let me just say that this is, for all of humanity, the question above all other questions. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you say that he is a good man? Do you say that he is a good teacher? Do you say that he provided a good example for others to follow? Do you even maybe admit or concede that he is a prophet? But are you willing to go no further? Because this question above all other questions forces us to draw a conclusion. Here's one of the things that I love about Jesus. Jesus does not allow us to remain on neutral ground with him. You ever notice that about him? He doesn't allow us just to kind of hang out in the middle and say, yeah, I kind of like this guy, but I'm not sure I'm all in on him. Jesus will will continue to, to push and to move in such a way that he's going to draw lines in the sand and he's going to say, all right, if you're going to follow me, you've got to cross this line. If you're going to come with me, you've got to cross this line. 
If you're going to be mine, you've got to cross this line. Jesus does not let us hang out in the neutral zone. He just won't let us do it. Jesus is not satisfied with us just appreciating him, yet not worshiping him. Does that make sense? We, we, we don't get to just be an audience with him. There, there's a whole lot more going on with Jesus. And so this question that he asked, but who do you say I am, is really for humanity. This is the question above all other questions. This is where everything is judged. And this is, for all intents and purposes, where we live and die, right? Who do we say that Jesus is, right? And then the light comes on for Peter. Love Peter and what he says. Look at what Peter says in verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus in verse 17 answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter answers Jesus's question by saying, you are the Christ, you are the son of God. And Jesus commends him, says, well done, Peter. And one of the things he says is that you did not learn this on your own, but in fact, my father who is in heaven has revealed this truth, has revealed this reality to you. And just on a very important side note, this reminds us of something that is very important and a foundational conviction for us as followers of Jesus. And that conviction is this. Everything that we know about who God is, his salvation, his glory, his power, his grace, his goodness, his beauty, all the things that we know about who God is, these things have been revealed to us. They've been revealed to us. Romans chapter one says that even in creation, we see the reality that there's something bigger than us happening, right? We see the reality that there is a God, but we understand that creation itself is not enough to have a fullness of, of who God is revealed to us. So in his word, by his spirit, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we see that God is revealing the fullness of who he is as he is working his wonderful plan of salvation and redemption in the world. And so we understand that the truth that we know about God is not something that we come up with inside of ourselves, but the truth that we know about God is something that he graciously reveals to us. Does that make sense? It comes from outside of us to us. And so that's one of the things that Jesus says to Peter. He says, you are blessed because you did not come up with this on your own. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Very important side note. Very important thing for us to understand. This truth that if we have come to learn anything, if we have come to have any insight about who God is and the greatness of his salvation, the wonder of, of, his, of his redemption, then it's because he has revealed this to us, not because we have somehow come up with this on our own. Because let's be honest, who would have come up with this on our own? There's no way that we could have come up with this kind of a story on our own. It's, it's too otherworldly. It's too amazing. But God has revealed this to us. So the light comes on for Peter. And in the gospel of Matthew, we have a huge moment. This is an important moment in Matthew's gospel because up to this point, one of the main questions about Jesus has been, who is this guy? Who is this man? 
The things that he says at times confound us. The things that he says sometimes even confound the religious leaders. And we've even seen times where Jesus answers the religious leaders in such a way that it seems like they don't understand what to do with him and they can't really respond back to him. The crowds hear Jesus speak and they say, he doesn't talk like anybody else, but when he speaks, he speaks as one who has authority. They've seen him heal. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him calm a storm. And so one of the questions that has certainly been building about Jesus throughout the gospel of Matthew is, who is this guy? Who is this man? And so it's been building and building throughout the gospel. And the answer to this question has been unfolding for us all the way through Matthew's gospel. And now we reach the point where the chief disciple, Peter, he sees the truth and he confesses the truth. Because you gotta know even in the disciples' minds, you know there had to be moments, even as they walked with them, when they're probably asking themselves, who is this guy? What's going on here? What am I part of? What have I been, been wrapped up in? Who is this man? But now, as Matthew's been unfolding it, as God has been unfolding it, as it is being revealed in history, we reach this high point in Matthew's gospel where the lights finally come on for Peter. And even if he doesn't understand the fullness of it, and we'll see next week, he doesn't. Again, this is what's great about Peter. We're going to see next week another kind of dialogue between Peter and Jesus, and we're going to look back and say, wait a minute, all these things that Jesus just said wonderful about Peter, it seems like it's gotten a little shaky now, right? Even if Peter doesn't completely understand everything that's going on, Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. The lights have come on. Peter sees what's happening here. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of the living God. And here's what's going on here. Just as we've said so many times, as it unfolds throughout the Old Testament and as it has been unfolding in the gospel of Matthew, God has a plan to rescue, to redeem, and to keep his people forever. We know this, right? Amen? We know this about God. God has a plan to rescue and to redeem and keep his people for himself forever. His people whom he loves, eternity. His people who are the apple of his eye. God has a plan to rescue them and to redeem them. And as a part of his plan to rescue and redeem his people, God has sent prophets to prepare them, to warn them, to call them back, but also to point to the day when God's plan would be fulfilled. Yet what we know about the prophets is that they are not the ones who will do the rescuing, right? They call, they urge, they warn, they challenge, they exhort, and ultimately they point to the day that the Redeemer would come. They point to the day that the Savior would come, but they would not do the rescuing because in order for the rescue plan of God's eternal redemption to take place. A savior, a Messiah, an anointed one would be needed. Now this savior would not be like any other person. This savior would not be like anyone else, right? He would be perfect, he would be spotless, he would live a completely 
absolutely 100% sinless, perfect, righteous life. And this Savior would come and he would not only announce God's kingdom, but he himself would establish God's kingdom. He would no longer just tell the people about what's going to happen, but he would come and say, it's happening. He would not just prepare us for this future reality, but he would say, it's here now among you. The kingdom of God is here in the person and in the work of Jesus himself. He would be none other than the son of God. And so here comes Jesus, right? And we see Jesus is God's salvation. Jesus is here on a mission, revealing God's kingdom, revealing the kingdom of heaven, revealing God's plan to rescue his people and to make them his forever. And at the center of this mission, at the center of what God's doing is none other than Jesus himself. He has not come to simply proclaim a message of salvation, but Jesus has come as the savior himself. Jesus has come as the embodiment of this message. And so when Peter says, you are the Christ, Christ, you are the son of the living God. The lights have come on and it is as though everything that has been building throughout the gospel of Matthew, now we see the lights hit that fuller level. And it's like, oh, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of, living God, of the living God. Others might say you are a prophet like Elijah, John the Baptist, or Jeremiah or some other prophet. But Peter says, you are the Christ you are the son of the living God. Now, why is this important? Why does this matter so very much for us? This is important because we see here in the confession of Peter, in the confession of this man, we see that God is keeping his promise that he made to rescue his people and keep them forever. And that promise is being kept in his very son, Jesus. This is important because when anyone confesses Jesus as the Christ, when anyone confesses Jesus as their Savior, they are rescued, redeemed, and placed in God's family. Why? Because everything God is doing in the world is built on the good news of Jesus Christ. Everything that God is doing in the world is built on the good news of Jesus Christ. But here's what's great. As exciting and as awesome as this moment in history is where the lights have come on for Peter and he as the chief disciple speaks and confesses Jesus as the Christ, the son of God, it doesn't just stop here. Because what Peter has done, Jesus is going to use to build on so that the message of God's salvation continues to make its way forward, right? So look at what the Bible says. Beginning in verse 16, Simon Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answers him in verse 17 and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then look at what he says in verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Two verses of scripture that men and women 
have read and studied for many, 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 many years. Lots of conversation has gone on around them. Lots of debate, lots of dialogue. What exactly is Jesus saying here in verses 18 and 19? So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take all these hundreds of years and centuries of conversation and debate, and in three minutes, I'm going to give you the rock-solid, complete, and 100% answer. You ready? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make that guarantee to you whatsoever. All right? How, how, how arrogant would that be, right? I know all these guys, they've got, they've got some discussion and some confusion over here, but I figured it all out, so let me tell you exactly what this means. But no, there are some things in these verses I believe are very clear and very important for us to understand. So Jesus says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So some have looked at this and said, is Jesus saying that he is going to build his church on Peter, Peter himself? Or is Jesus saying that he is going to build his church on the confession that Peter has just made? I believe the answer is both. I believe the answer is both. Let me tell you why. What we see in the life of Peter as we continue to make our way not only through the Gospels, but through the book of Acts and even into the rest of the New Testament is that Peter was in many ways, especially after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, Peter was considered in many ways the leader of the apostles. And what we see is that there is a very special place that Peter has in history where he is used by God in a very important way to make sure that the message of the gospel continues to go forward. Because after Jesus ascends into the heavens, who is it that is going to serve as the primary authority for the message of the gospel to continue to go forward? It's the apostles. It's those who were with him. And who was the first leader of the apostles? Well, it was Peter. Who is it that stood up in the book of Acts chapter two and preached the incredible sermon that God used, not only to draw so many people to himself, but in many ways to kind of spark this movement of the church that we watch happen unfold all the way through the book of Acts? Well, it's none other than Peter himself. God used Peter also to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, we see this in Acts chapter 10. God also uses Peter to write part of the New Testament and lay the foundation of our word of God. So we see that Peter was a man used in very important ways by the Lord. And so when Jesus looks at Peter and says, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. I think what he's saying to Peter is, I'm going to use you in a very important way to build my church. There is some authority given to Peter. Now, it's very important that you hear this. Here is, however, what this does not mean. This does not mean that Peter is the first pope, okay? That's not what's going on here, okay? This does not mean that Peter is somehow given some infallibility and perfection in that moment. How do we know that's the case? Come back next Sunday. We'll see it, okay? Peter is not given infallibility in this moment. This also does not mean we do not trace our history back to Peter and build all of our church leadership structure on him, okay? Does that make sense? 
This is not some moment where, where some kind of mystical thing that, that, that we you know, may not really kind of understand is happening and Peter is somehow conferred or set aside in, in some kind of different role. That's not what's going on here at all. What Jesus is doing is he's looking at Peter and he's saying, in the course of history, as the gospel unfolds and the church moves forward, you're going to have a really important role in this. I'm going to build my church on you. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to use you to build my church. But not only that, what we see ultimately is that why does Jesus say this to Peter? Because Peter has just said what? Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Are these verses ultimately about Peter? No, no. Who are these verses about? These verses are about Jesus. And so, yes, there is a role in history that Peter is going to play. And there is an authority that we're going to see Peter have as an early leader in the life of the church. But these verses are not about primarily who Peter is and what he's doing. These verses are primarily about who Jesus is and what he is doing. And so we also know that what the church is built on, the church is built on Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that in the book of Ephesians, that Jesus is the cornerstone upon which the church is built. He is the block in the foundation. Everything revolves around and is built on him. And so what the church is ultimately built on is the good news of Jesus Christ going forward and the confession that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of God. And so yes, not only is Jesus going to use Peter, but also he is going to build his church on the confession that he is the son of God. God sent his son to earth in order to establish his glorious eternal kingdom. Jesus came to rescue us and to redeem us, right? So God reveals this truth to Peter and also to the other disciples. And Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. And Jesus says that upon this truth, his church will be built. And from that time, all the way through history, all the way to now, and all the way until the end, the glorious truth of Jesus has been marching on. And here today, as we gather together, brothers and sisters, here's what's crazy about what's happening this morning. As we gather together here right now, we stand arm in arm, step in step, right beside Peter. Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, as the son of the living God. When we confess Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, we stand in line with him. It's an amazing thing that God is doing. How awesome is it that God used men like Peter to continue to take the message of Jesus forward? Because what would have happened if he didn't? Well, it wouldn't have made it to us. Wouldn't have made it to, uh, to a small town in West Tennessee in 1991 where I heard the gospel. And God saved me. It wouldn't have made it to Las Vegas. It wouldn't have made it to Florida. It wouldn't have made it to California. It wouldn't have made it to all these different places across our nation. But thank the Lord that because of what's unfolding in the gospel of Matthew, we see that God is continuing to march the good news of the message of his kingdom forward all across the world. So Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on the confession that I am the Christ, I am the son of God. Jesus says he will build his church and he is doing it right now. 
Brothers and sisters, as we gather together, even here today, we are part of the promise that Jesus made to build his church. He's doing it. How incredible is that, that we get to participate in that. Now, continuing on, Jesus says in verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what does that mean? What's going on there? I believe that primarily what Jesus is saying is that not even death itself, not even death itself will stop the church. And think about it. Death is, in many ways, the primary weapon and tool of the enemy. And death is something that we know kind of stalks after us, comes after us, hangs over us in so many ways. But Jesus says that not even death itself not even the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will prevail against the church. I believe ultimately what Jesus is saying is that not even the greatest or strongest of all enemies, not even the enemy himself will be able to stop what the church is doing. As history continues to march on, there will never be a time when God's kingdom and God's people are not here because nothing, nothing is going to stop what God is doing. Nobody, no one, no event in history, no point in time will stop what God is doing. Isn't it good to know that we're part of that? Now we saw it in the book of Acts, right? A man by the name of Saul tried to, did everything in his power to stop it. So what does God do? All right, I'm going to change your heart and I'm going to make you my best preacher. How about that? Right? This is what God does. There was a time in the nation of Iran where you could count the number of Christians, if not in the hundreds, then certainly only in the thousands. But now Iran is considered one of the most actively evangelized nations in the world where Muslim men and women are coming to Christ in such ways that we look at it and we say, we don't even understand what's happening here. History has shown us that the more intensely the persecution has been turned up, the more the church finds a way to thrive. Nothing, nobody will stop what God is doing. He's going to do it. There's no way to finish it. There's no way to kill this off. Jesus says, I will build my church in the gates of hell. Even the most powerful enemy of the enemy or the enemy, the tool of the enemy will not stop the church. Nothing, no one is going to stop the church. Then in verse 19, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, what in the world is Jesus saying there? I believe what Jesus is saying to Peter is that, especially as we look forward to the future when Jesus is resurrected and ascends into the heavens, there's still going to be men who have authority to say, this is the truth about who God is. This is what is right, and this is what is not right. And that authority is going to be given First to those apostles, 
as they proclaim the good news of the message of, of who Jesus is. Because think about it, in the first century, you can only imagine that people would say, well, who gives you the right to say what is right and what is wrong? Who gives you the right to say how someone gets into heaven and how they don't get into heaven? Who gives you the right to say who is saved and who is not saved? Questions like we often hear now, right? And so Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to build it not only on you, Peter, but I'm going to build it on the confession of Jesus as the Christ, as the son of the living God. And the way people come into God's kingdom and the way people are excluded from God's kingdom is based on that question that we talked about earlier. Who do you say that Jesus is? And so Peter, you, as you go out and as you lead my people to go out and proclaim the good news of the gospel, as you share the message of Christ and people believed, they will gain entrance into the kingdom. As you share the message of Christ and as people reject then they will not gain entrance and access into the kingdom. So whatever you do in my name will have heavenly implications. Whatever you do here on earth as you proclaim the good news of the gospel, they will have heavenly realities. Does that make sense? So Jesus is saying that as the gospel goes out, as the message of Christ is proclaimed, Entry into God's kingdom is based on how we answer that question, who do we say Jesus is? God builds his church on the confession that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. That's why we can even stand now when a world around us looks at us and says, how in the world do you have any kind of right or authority to say who is saved and who is not saved? We say we don't have that right in and of ourselves. We don't have that authority in and of ourselves. We simply point to the truth of God's word and we understand that as Jesus said, then it is true now. Entry into God's kingdom is determined by how we answer that question, who do we say that Jesus is? And we are brought into the kingdom or excluded from that kingdom based on how we answer that question. That's just the reality, brothers and sisters. And so what happens here on earth as the message of the gospel is proclaimed is affirmed, echoed, if you will, by the heavenly authorities that move us as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Jesus says something very important here. We wanna make sure we see and understand. Then in verse 20, he says, then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Why? Well, one of the things Jesus wants to make sure he avoids is falling into the trap of the people seeing him and wanting to fit him into their expectation, their framework of what a Messiah is. But instead, Jesus knows that he is on a mission. Jesus knows he has a plan and he is going to fulfill it right on time, not according to the expectations that others around him might have of him, but instead, according to his father's will, according to the plan that he was sent to fulfill. And so Jesus is not looking to get his name out. Jesus is certainly not looking to build his brand. Jesus is certainly not looking to get more followers that are gonna confuse and muddy the waters. But instead, Jesus has now reached a point in his ministry where he says, no, 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 let's not stir that up. Let's continue to stay focused on what it is that the Father has called me to do. So he says, don't tell anyone that I'm the Christ. The word's gonna get out. The word will get out. So how do these verses shape us? One of the ways that these verses shape us is that the church will always be here to proclaim hope and life. 
The church will always be here to proclaim hope and life. Jesus guarantees our existence. He guarantees his people's existence, which means there will always be the message of life, rescue, hope, and salvation going out into the world. These verses remind us that there is a savior, there is a redeemer, and his name is Jesus. These verses remind us that God is right now keeping his promise to establish his kingdom in the world. Jesus gives us a reminder that these verses are a call to action to take the message that Jesus is the Christ to a world that needs to hear. Jesus builds his church on the confession that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. That confession is what drives us. That confession is what moves us. And as Christ continues to propel and compel and move us forward, we keep that confession on our lips. We take that message of Jesus to a world that needs to hear.